On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashi Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalam again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. In a week where the British government put the army on standby to ease its own particular fuel crisis. Despite reassurances, drivers are lining up. I've got 15 miles of petrol left. I'm a community physio. Um, I need petrol to do my job. Back home, our minds were firmly fixed on a different energy issue. That of a long, expensive winter ahead. Energy suppliers are rapidly increasing their prices in recent weeks. So lots of families are worried about these price increases and how to heat their homes. Some families would face up to 500 euro extra just on energy alone to keep the lights on and keep warm. I'm Siobhan Maguire and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today, I'm joined by the Irish Independence Environment Correspondent, Caroline O'Doherty. There's no doubt about it, this is a global energy crisis. And personal finance editor, Charlie Weston. It's been a year of energy price hikes, and unfortunately, it's only going to get worse. As well as Nat O'Connor, public affairs and policy specialist with Age Action. At Age Action, we're hearing from people who can't afford to keep their homes warm. We're hearing from people who can't afford to keep their car running, even though they're living in a rural area and they need more support. Caroline O'Doherty, this week we've seen images of people queuing up for petrol across British forecourts and all the while in the backdrop we're hearing uh, these stories about an energy uh, crisis that's rumbling on. Are the two related? Well they're certainly related in the public mind and that's a problem because people are thinking everything that keeps me moving, that keeps my house warm, that keeps my industry functioning is under threat because there's this apparent energy shortage. They are slightly different though. Um, What's happening in the UK is not to do with the shortage of petrol and, um, and oil, it's to do with the shortage of a means to move it around. They don't have drivers. It's to do with Brexit. It's to do with work permits. It's to do with all of that, that whole sort of very essential transport and supply chain line being disrupted by the the, the, the new uh, rules that came in with Brexit. So there's a shortage of getting the fuel to the pumps more than actually get, getting the, more than an actual shortage of fuel. I mean, it really sends panic into the minds of motorists when we see this happening in the UK because we're no strangers uh, to the odd fuel crisis ourselves. 
It's now 16 years since the oil crisis of 1973 brought the country to a virtual standstill, but occasional shortages and rising prices have been with us ever since. The crisis in 73 followed the outbreak of war in the Middle East. Arab oil supplies to the West were cut by 25%. A million barrels of oil were lost each That's day. right, and people would have memories maybe of the 70s and, and 80s, you know, which, which really pushed Ireland to become more dependent on the likes of Money Point for uh, burn coal there and to use our own peat resources for creating energy because we felt very vulnerable to sort of shocks and, and, and crises at, at a world fuel or energy supply um, um, scale. Caroline, uh, what we're seeing now in terms of an energy shortage, Ireland isn't uh, getting access to as much gas as it would like. Why is that of relevance to us? Have we got an an overly unhelpful reliance on, on gas and indeed fossil fuels? We do use a lot of gas. Now, we use it directly for heating homes and heating premises and for cooking. About a third of our homes are actually heated by gas. Okay, but many more of us use gas in a slightly different way. Our, Our electricity providers burn gas to generate electricity. So we see it as electricity. It actually starts as gas. So we have a heavy dependence and heavy reliance on natural gas for that. Now, what's happening, we're tied into what's happening all around Europe and indeed the rest of the world. There's a very large demand on gas at the moment. Right through last winter, which was a long winter, gas there was a heavy demand for gas. When summer came, we had heat waves everywhere. And if you think of it, the electricity demand for uh, refrigeration, for air conditioning, that that was that was that was a prolonged and again extra demand. And so, so those are natural surges, if you like. Plus, we had the recovery after after COVID. A lot of businesses starting up at the same time. A lot of industries starting up, and there was a draw from a big pull from Asia. All the big manufacturing hubs up there, all getting ready at the same time. So there's an extra demand on gas. So that obviously creates a bit of a strain on supply. Now there's other problems because you, when you have a strain on supply, you look to other sources of, of, of electricity. So I spoke earlier, we had about coal and about peat. Well, we don't use peat anymore. We've, we've cleaned that up because of our green energy policies. We don't want to be going back to coal and we are actually using Money Point um, coal burning electricity station more than we would like to be at this stage. We've gone back to using it more, in fact, because of the current situation. But then the other big source of our electricity is wind. And just to add, you know, another layer of complexity on this. We've had a really slack period over the summer, uh, not just us, but across Europe for wind. So electricity from our wind turbines is down. So your alternative sources are limited and there's a surge in demand for gas and there's a little bit of politics in this too. We get a lot of gas from Russia and Russia is annoyed with the EU at the moment. A bit of a a dispute over uh, a new gas pipeline from Russia to Germany. Uh, Europe wanted structured in such a way that yes, Russia can own the pipeline, but they want the ownership of the gas that flows through it separate to prevent monopoly situation arising. Russia doesn't like that. So analysts tell you they're holding back on supply a little. So, you know, squeezed a lot of demand, squeezed supply, high prices. What I'm hearing from you, Caroline, and do tell me if I'm being very simplistic, warmer summers, for example, we would have got gas from China and they have used up quite a a huge amount of the gas they would sell to the rest of the world because of the heightened demand in uh, air conditioning in homes. So, This all links into climate change, doesn't it? Well, it does because, you know, gas is cleaner than coal. 
it, it, it still emits a lot of carbon dioxide, but maybe about half as much. So while we're transitioning to completely renewable energy, while we're transitioning to wind and solar, we know that we're going to be relying on gas, you know, not just for even for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 30 years, gas, hopefully at a lesser amount, but we're going to be relying on it. So what's happening at the moment is there's two things happening in parallel. We, we, we suddenly realise how much we're dependent on gas and we suddenly realise how much we really need to ramp up renewables. And there's a tension between the two there because it, it creates almost a fear in people saying, well, you, we, we, we can't rely on renewables to, to that extent. Look, look how much we need gas. People are, other people are looking at the exact opposite way and saying, no, actually look at how vulnerable we are because we need gas. We need to ramp up renewables. So that kind of thing in people's heads, it's, it's exactly what policymakers at international, at EU and even at national level do not need because they've been very clear in the message. We need to go renewables. We need to go clean. And now people are saying, no, 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 we can't rely on them. Look, the wind didn't blow. We really need to keep, keep producing um, gas. We have some natural gas supplies ourselves here, but our, our, our only source of it at the moment is way past peak production. So it'll be gone in about 10 years and we're not exploring for new gas fields. That's part of po policy. And that's a policy that, you know, many countries are adopting. And that now, that policy seemed very secure, but now there's little creaks of doubt, you know, creeping into it. And that's exactly what it's to say the policymakers do not want as they're trying to push the green policies forward. Caroline, you've had a very busy week focused particularly on this issue with Iraq's meetings concerned about the topic. What can you tell me about this? Energy security, energy prices are now just at government agenda right, right at the top of it. So the Iraqis Committee on, on Climate Action and Environment are discussing it on Tuesday. Um, you can be sure that it's at every cabinet meeting. Um, we know that it's going to feature in the budget coming up because there's pressure on government to bring in some sort of a assistance on this. So it's right at the top of the agenda. And also because industry bodies are warning that they will, that they fear there actually will not be enough energy for them, not enough electricity for them to keep functioning over over the winter. So that's a huge when that when that industry lobby starts shouting, you know, it's it's impossible to keep it off the agenda. So you can be sure there's a lot of tense discussions going on at the moment. And his car bear with their hands full. But this man, this man enjoys it all. This man gets around for a lively time, for a quiet time. This man and the car in his life, together, with it, confident all the way. Backed up by this sign, with care, attention, and a smile. Hello, the fleet's in port again. <laughs> and petrol, great petrol, geared to modern motoring. That's BP. Charlie Weston, we're hearing an awful lot about increases in our energy bills this winter. But just how much are we looking at? I'm afraid we're looking at big increases this winter, probably the biggest we've seen in this country for many, many years. The Commission for Energy Regulation has admitted last week that we could be seeing bills go by probably about 500 euros for a household that uses electricity and gas. Uh, for some estimates estimate that electricity prices alone will go up 400 by 400 euros this, this coming uh, winter. We've seen huge numbers of increases uh, with something like more than 30 different price rise announcements this year alone. Some providers have increased their prices by four times, uh, others three times. You take a big supplier like Energia, it's cumulatively announced a 45% increase in electricity prices this year so far. 
and the cumulative different increases they've had in gas is 42%. You know, that could add about 800 euros to, to a household's bill. 800 euros. So it's almost half again of what a household is going to be paying. So these are extraordinary increases. So um, consumers need to brace for uh, a tough, uh, expensive winter when it comes to heating and lighting their homes. The same is happening on home heating oil as well. It's going up by extraordinary amounts as well. And Charlie, we would tell the consumer to switch and save, to do their best to shop around um, every single year to try and make some kind of savings on their energy bills. There might be a little bit of despondency if we see every single company putting the bill, uh, putting the, their prices up, but that shouldn't put us off uh, switching and saving, should it? No, we, we, you know, now more than ever, it's important to get the best value out there. Because everybody's pushing up their prices, it doesn't mean you should sit back and just take it. Some are putting up prices more than others. Uh, The big players, the ones that have generation capacity themselves, they tend to be holding back a bit. And they're not having so many increases. And the increases that they have put through tend to be lower. Uh, You know, they're still double-digit increases, but they're not, 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 not quite the same scale as some of the players. So it's definitely worth your while going on to one of those price comparison sites like choosy.ie, uh, or bonkers.ie and, and and just, you know, seeing if you can't get a better deal. If you're on a long time with a supplier, <clears throat> excuse me, the likelihood is that you're paying the standard rate and the standard rate tends to be terribly expensive. You could easily cut that by 25, 30% by signing up for a discount. Now, it doesn't mean that it won't go up in the meantime, it could go up again, but at least you're you're getting a good discount off whatever the standard rate is at the moment and whatever, if it increases, you'd still get that discounted amount. So if you sign up for a 25% discount, you'd get that uh, even if they increase the price. So it's definitely worth doing that. Um, and there has been some evidence that there's been a bit of an increase in people switching because they realise that if they don't move around, they're just going to get suckered. They're going to get hit with, with, with some of the worst increases. Some of the very small resellers of electricity in the market, there's about 14 different suppliers. Some of those small ones have really pushed through big price increases. So just look at the price comparison sites and see if you can't do a better deal than you have at the moment, particularly if you're with one of those smaller energy suppliers. And Charlie, we can look to other parts of Europe that are uh, also suffering from the energy crisis at the moment, but they are putting some actions into place, aren't they, to help out their own householders? Yes, indeed. This is an, a European-wide problem. I mean, you know, there's an issue around gas supplies coming from Russia. The Russians, in a you know geopolitical move, have, have restricted what they're supplying. Uh, there's no, there's very little gas in storage at the moment, wholesale gas, because it was used up at the end of last um, last winter. And uh, the, 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 you know, there's various other issues as well that are affecting all European countries. But they're taking different approaches in 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 other countries. I mean, the Greeks and the Italians and the French are all providing some sort of help to households, either in the form of subsidies or tax reliefs or grants. Um, so there have been calls for that to happen here too as well. There have been calls on the Minister for Energy, Eamon Ryan, to do something to help people. And there has been a commitment given that the um, that the, the the household budget allowance that that that, that that helps people on social welfare, that that will be improved. It'll go on for longer and they may pay more. That's probably going to be announced in next month's budget. But it means people in the middle are not getting anything. So the government need to think hard about what they could do for people. You know, possible things they could do could be a tax credit for, to, to allow people to 
uh, earn more, uh, bef- you know, and so that, that it would help pay the bills. The other thing is there's a lot of different taxes and levies on, on our energy. Like there's um, there's VAT on, on, on gas bills, VAT on electricity bills. That could be reduced. I mean, we did that for the hospitality sector. There's also carbon tax on your, ga- on your gas and your home heating oil as well. That's due to, to, to go up again in May. It, it went up last May. I mean, that could be eased, but I don't think it will be. Uh, the other thing is there's a levy on electricity to help pay fund uh, renewables. I mean, th- 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 that keeps going up. That, that's a big chunk out of everybody's bill as well. So there are measures the government could take, and really I think the pressure is going to come on in the next while for, for some measures to alleviate these enormous hikes that households are facing. And Charlie, I spoke earlier with Caroline about the panic buying um, on the fuel crisis in the, the UK at the moment. But we may well have our own frenzy on the four courts come budget day with the increase in carbon tax. Um, I actually saw a, a joke on Twitter yesterday uh, that said, double the value of your car by filling up the tank. But it's a, it's a real sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, petrol and diesel are going up. Um, you know, um, unfortunately, globally as well, the, the wholesale barrel of oil has gone up. It's hit $80, uh, which it hasn't been at for a long time. So expect that to feed through in, in, in prices you pay at the forecourt. So it is becoming very expensive. Also, uh, what you need to watch, Siobhan, is that in the budget, on budget night, without doubt, uh, there's going to be an increase in the carbon tax on the fill of diesel and the carbon tax on the, the petrol at the pumps. That's likely to add about one fifty, one euro fifty, to the price of a, a full tank of diesel in your car and around one thirty on the uh, fill of petrol in a car, a car or truck or whatever. So, you know, uh, just, just be wary of that. That's coming into budget as well. Uh, but look, the indications are that we probably won't see the kind of panic buying that's going on in England because uh, petrol forecourts are able to get deliveries. But it is becoming something that's becoming more expensive. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there's an energy crisis, and that that includes uh, petrol and diesel. So uh, you, people need to be wary of that. That that's on the way. Caroline, energy supply really is a burning issue now. It seems to be on everyone's agenda. Um, the Oireachtas Committee on Climate Action and Environment are talking about it on Tuesday. Uh, the energy regulator is out with a statement on Wednesday trying to address some of the concerns. The Economics and Social Research Institute have a seminar and they're looking at everything from the demand from data centres to fuel poverty and what impact the carbon tax will have on it. So it's right up there and it's certainly on Cabinet agenda too. If we don't protect our consumers, if we don't particularly protect those at risk of fuel poverty in these very short-term but very extraordinary and extreme price increases we're seeing, then we'd lose the public in the climate battle and we can't afford to do that. Nat O'Connor from Age Action. The SRI is holding a seminar this week that is looking at the energy crisis we are now facing into. And one of those issues is that of fuel poverty. And they estimate that a 1% increase in fuel prices for residential heating due to carbon taxation will raise the proportion of people experiencing fuel poverty from 11.5% to 12%. Now, you're already dealing with queries from people who are struggling to pay their heating bills. Absolutely. Uh, certainly the issue of keeping their homes warm is something that's of you know, great concern to a lot of people. Uh, we had a, a survey which we did across the country of older people in relation to budget 2022 coming up. 
And this was one of the main issues that came up. Uh, people talk about, you know, constantly juggling each week as to which bills they're going to prioritize or just scraping by. So any new cost, such as we've seen recently with one supplier uh, increasing the cost of electricity and gas by 10 or 12 percent, uh, has a major impact on people because they simply, they're, they're on a low fixed income and they don't have the capacity to deal with sudden steep increases in the cost of living. So it means if one cost goes up, you know, their spending on something else has to go down. And often people are juggling essential items. So they're cutting back on heating in order to keep their car running because they're living in a rural area and they need the car. And other people talking about, you know, cutting back on heating the house uh, so that they can afford, you know, the private health insurance, which they really feel they need. So people are juggling very basic things in order to make ends meet. And in addition to all of this, Nas, there is the issue of petrol prices potentially going up. And you deal with a lot of people who live in rural locations who don't have the access to public transport like, say, people in cities. So if the prices of petrol goes up on top of their heating bills, I mean, for some people, it might just be as simple as just staying in the house because they can't afford to do much else. Well, absolutely. We've had a number of people tell us that they're they're living in a rural area. They don't have a bus service that they can rely on. And so as a result, uh, one person says more than half of their state pension is going on their car costs. Another person talks about being a carer and they need a car so they can, you know, help the person they're caring for. And another person mentioned the fact that they have a severe, you know, back problem and health issues. They just can't carry the shopping or walk. So they need to have the car to get from point to point. So there's a, there's certainly a lot of people are dependent on having a car. That's, you know, the way Ireland is, is organized in terms of many people are living in rural areas or small towns where we don't have the public transport. And the cost of petrol is only going one way. It's only going up. Uh, and people are very aware of that. And so we've had a number of people talking about how, you know, because of the cost of living, they don't go out as often. They stay home, go to bed early. They're cutting back. And that's social exclusion. People are excluding themselves uh, from, you know, participation in society, uh, which is very wrong. People should be able to meet these basic costs. Now, when older people come on the phone to you and say, what is happening with these energy prices? How am I going to drive my car? How am I going to pay my bills? Am I switching my heating off just so I can keep my head above water? What do you say? Um, well, obviously, I mean, when we're dealing with individuals, we're very sympathetic to their uh, the situation they find themselves in. And we help people by pointing towards whatever uh, uh, supports might be available. Um, but we know that only three out of every 10 older people are eligible for fuel allowance to help them with the cost of fuel. And while that's a good support, it's not going up at the same speed that the cost of, say, gas or electricity is going up. So we're calling on the government in the budget to increase the fuel allowance uh, and to make it more widely available so that more people can get it and that it would last longer. It should last 32 weeks of the year, not the current 28. So these are the kind of measures that can be taken just to, to help people who are on a fixed income deal with the increasing cost of energy. This episode of In Focus was produced and presented by Siobhan Maguire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recording and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips with thanks to independent.ie and rte.ie. You can listen to In Focus wherever you get your podcasts. Listener.